You are in for a treat tonight. This is his first time sharing our testimony with us. So excited. Give him a warm welcome. Give it up for Steve. Good evening. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, a recovering alcoholic. My name is Steve. And I struggle with a whole lot of hurts, hang-ups, and character defects that I'm still coming to grips with. This is a progress report on my recovery. Like my recovery itself, it's an ongoing work in progress. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for bringing us here this evening. Grant me strength and clarity as I speak tonight. Please bind the evil one in his team, that nothing I say nor the way I say it would lead anyone astray. May your spirit translate my words into the message that someone needs to hear or can benefit from. Thank you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Background, or how I got to where I was. I was born in the late 1950s in central New York. It was rural and agricultural and uh, serving the East Coast metro areas. There wasn't much around of note, but some things will be interesting to some of you. Uh, the county seat where I was born is now the corporate headquarters of Chibane, the Greek yogurt company. And uh, I grew up on the edge of the county. Looking east, you can see into the next county. And there was a small town in that county called Cooperstown. For baseball fans, yes, that Cooperstown. I managed to fit in well enough to survive. I had and have a very vivid thought life and imagination. That served me well and would come to be more and more of a hindrance later. I never thought I was good enough, always striving for either perfection or a fast exit. I excelled academically in high school, in college, and in graduate school, claiming the top place in both high school and college. But finishing ahead of others never seemed good enough, as I was hyper aware of the distance between me and perfection. I played several sports a bit and learned valuable life lessons in all of them, especially football including how quickly a wonderfully thought-out play can go off track once the ball is snapped. How after all the skill drills and playbook practices, the most profound coaching lesson is still, you just have to hit him harder than he's hitting you. And the power of getting up and going at it again and again and again. In church, I grew up as a Lutheran and then drifted. I came back for one of the common reasons that young men get back into church or into church, a pretty girl. <laughs> that part worked out well for me, way better than I deserved. I finally realized the Lord had never completely let me go. Like the prodigal son, I now know that I was always a son, even when I didn't want to admit it. As for the girl, we got married, and nearly 38 years later, we still are happily at this point. Looking back, she's a living, breathing, walking example of what grace looks like. Thank you, Lacey. My career was off to a fast start. I got certified in my field, and uh, of course, I scored the highest nationally on the certification exam that year. I had to write a technical paper, mine got published, but uh, much like the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there's another story running in parallel. The book of Proverbs speaks strongly about alcohol and us who drink. Proverbs 20, verse 1, 
Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Or Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of the eyes. Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? And that leaves me convicted, as noted in Proverbs 30, verse 2. Surely I'm too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. We talk about dysfunctional families. Well, not me. Of course, my understanding of a family came from my family. Uh, I mean, if those with the problems would just deal with them on their own and leave the rest of us alone, wouldn't we all be better off? As an example, one day my wife threw a bottle of whiskey at me, left a dent in the wall, broke the cap. What was her problem? Of course, I now know that her problem has a name. My name is Steve, and I'm an alcoholic. The dent in the wall is still there. It serves as an ongoing reminder to me of where I was. And I used it as a talking point recently when I had a sponsee over, and he was dealing with problems of his own making with his own wife. Alcoholism often runs in families, in my family. Just on my father's side of the family, and just in the generations I know of, my great-grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My father? I don't think so. He may have missed it, or may have taken it to a grave as a secret. My brother was an alcoholic. He drank himself to death alone in a hotel room. But even with that history, I was still convinced it could never happen to me. So I kept on drinking, even ramped it up as time went on. For over 20 years after my brother's death, I kept on thinking alcoholism is something that only happens to other people. And then when my lab results came back saying I had some liver problems, I thought the test must be wrong. And sadly, it didn't stop with me. My son went into detox, rehab, and recovery while I was just a few months sober and working my first step study. There's a blessing hidden in there for over half of each year, including right now. My son and I are the same recovery age. Skipping way ahead, I came in to celebrate recovery at 60 years old. I'd taken drinking to a higher level. Given that I'd been maintaining a dual life since my teens, I had well over four decades of practice. I had practiced drinking and drunkenness. I'd become hooked, needing ever more to achieve a buzz, to become Superman in my own mind, or to numb the pain of my own stupid thoughts and actions. My denial had become world-class. I would routinely lie to myself and convince myself. And then it was easy to convince others in all sincerity. I didn't have one of those big life-changing experiences that often drives people into recovery. Mine was more death by 10,000 paper cuts, insulted and embarrassed family members, a series of stupid actions. As a moderate high-bottom drunk, I just got more and more tired of being me. Of course, getting out of denial is an important early step in this process. I was finally convicted by 1 John 1, 
verses 8 and 9, words I committed to memory in elementary school. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fact that I can stand here and share with you tonight is one blessing to me. I didn't really walk into these rooms of recovery. Hobbled or limped would be better descriptions. In addition to alcohol, I had a worn out hip and a messed up toe. I could walk, but with a limp, and walking or even standing very much, meant I would have too much pain to sleep that night or possibly for several nights. But between denial and bad medical advice, I thought I just needed to stretch more regularly. And of course, I was no candidate for surgery at that time. What changed? Well, I tried toughing it out on my own, even following self-help advice many times, Googling for help, trying wellness resources at work. I tried talking to the doctor who told me to stretch more. He told me to stop drinking. Just like that, it sounded so easy in his office. What worked for me? One of the first things I, tools I started and still use today is Spartzla. I write it out so it becomes both a quiet and devotional time and an outline for journaling. Occasionally, there's something that, on my mind that consumes page after page. Getting going with a pen and paper is a great start. Look for the uh, CR resources here and online. It's been taught several times, or ask me for a link. Step study, meetings, working the steps with my sponsor. I found out that a step study was starting and getting close to closing during my first timers meeting. I was told it would be a good thing to join it. So, by my second Tuesday night here, I'd already been to a step study class. I hadn't even been to a Tuesday small group yet. I was desperate. I was looking for a quick fix. That quest for a few weeks of getting back on track and all will be well. Sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong reason and it works out in spite of us. That's what happened to me. I got a sponsor after a few rejections. I really didn't like what my sponsor told me to do. But I did it because it was what he told me to do and I was pretty sure nothing else was going to work. And yet, he didn't tell me to do some of the things that are commonly done, like 90 and 90. I was too proud and hard headed to go that far that fast. He knew I'd give up and leave, calling CR yet another failed program. How he knew that, I still don't know. He can't or won't tell me, and I really do want to know now that I'm working with a sponsee who scarily reminds me of myself. But for now, it's let go and let God. And as I reflect on it, he never claimed to be trying to get me to like him. He was just doing what he, in his experience, knew would save my life. Thank you, Mark. And thank you to Josh and Jeff for leading the step study. Thank you to my brothers in the step study and in the open share groups who listened to my struggles and heard the stinking thinking I had. And thank you to the new guys who started listening more recently. You have little clue what I was like. Early on, I had to face one of the hardest parts, discovering that I'm not fixed I'm a continuing work in progress. During that time, I also discovered, I mean, even I couldn't miss it when my sponsor got in my face and told me flat out, alcohol had become my best friend, and we had to quit hanging out together. It was a hard breakup, right up there with any human breakup I've ever had. And then there was COVID. I was a little over four months sober, six months into the step study, when the world as we knew it broke. 
Remember that initial craziness when the world panicked, went into emergency lockdowns for a few weeks to flatten the curve? Interestingly, the COVID craziness worked out well for me. I thrived. Working from home much of the time offered just the right blend of vastly improved productivity, quiet reflection, technically moderated interaction, occasional face-to-face -face situations, and pain management. It's humbling to think that I was the beneficiary of something that brought so much tragedy, pain, and suffering to so many. Music. I didn't really like or appreciate the music when I first got here. It wasn't church music. It reminded me more of bar or party music, and that was not a good thing for me at that time. <laughs> Previous favorites that also describe me well include Margaritaville. There's plenty there to describe me. Crazy Train, the little wounds not healing, driving me insane. Or how about when I finally realized I'd lost my way? A song when you're going through hell. You step off the straight and narrow, you don't know where you are. Use the needle of your moral compass to sew up your broken heart. Ask directions from a genie and a bottle of Jim Beam. And she lies to you. Of course she does. That's who she is and what she does. But the music here grew on me. I found some of it stuck in my head. I even started to build a CR playlist. And then I was at an early January post-New Year's AA meeting while I was working steps four and five. I speak highly of AA meetings in general, but this one was especially depressing and discouraging. It was Lap City, one painful story of relapse after another. I was about two months sober at this point, and I asked myself, is this what I have to look forward to? Why bother? I don't have to work this hard if a relapse is all I have to look forward to. And then one of my miracles happened. Driving home, that playlist I mentioned came to the words, I won't go back again. That's just not who I am. That's when the lights came on. I don't have to relapse just because others do. I soon realized that other phrases were there to describe me too. My eyes were opened. I have a future. I ran out of the grave. So keep coming back until your miracle happens. Step 12 starts out having had a spiritual experience. And in that one I read and reference John 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Think about that. God, the one, the only, all-knowing, all-powerful, creator of all things that have been created, in human flesh, walked among them, lived among them, boldly claimed to be God the Son, and backed it up by performing miracles that only God could do. And they missed him because they were too busy looking for him. I would have to. That would be me. And slowly I started to realize some things. Things that were going on all along, but things I'd been missing. I didn't do it myself. And I didn't have to. The miracles, yes plural, were happening to me. And I was too busy living them, looking for them, to see them. Me and my denial hobbled into this room. I started a step study. I kept coming back. I got a sponsor. I started doing what he told me to. I got sober. I was part of a team that finished our step study during the COVID lockdown. I'm able and allowed to serve. I started out with facilitating, first in Zoom. I wonder if God had this time picked out for me. I've been facilitating and participating in video conferences on multiple time zones and multiple continents for decades. 
Don't know. And then face to face. I became a viable candidate for surgery. And now I have a factory made hip joint and a repaired toe. I can stand here and I'm still able to talk while I do. Most of you don't think that's a big deal, but I'm thrilled to be able to stand here and also not fear that doing so will mean one or more painful sleepless nights. That's big progress for me. Now I'm over two and a half years sober. To my new friends, and if you're in this room, you know. To my new friends, and if you're in this room, you're new. You may think you don't know me yet, and you're right. But remember, I don't know me yet either. I'm very much like a two-year-old, still very much figuring out this new world and the new me. I completed that step study, worked the steps. I keep working them on a daily basis, and also one-on-one -on -one with a sponsee. I'm allowed to serve in more places. This is one area where I'm reminded who's in control and that God has a sense of humor. I signed up thinking I was going to help out here on Tuesday nights after Pastor Scott gave one of his service pep talks. I filled out a form on a Sunday. By the next, sun, next Saturday, I was driving a camera. I tried again to get hooked up to serve on Tuesdays via both CR leadership and production leadership. Ended up in training to help troubleshoot on Monday evenings with the men's group. And more recently, I filled out a few times on Tuesday nights. Hanging around here on the weekends with a stated duty of driving a camera, I learned some more things, including that it's not all about the camera. I came planning to serve. One of the things that's a special blessing when you're serving both him and the worship team is group prayer. Teams pray together prior to the Saturday night and Sunday morning services, before Monday night men's group, before Tuesday night CR. I'm confident other ministries do too. After prayer and a quick final logistics check, we were dismissed with encouraging directions to go meet people, encourage them, love on them, and if possible, offer to pray with and for them. Say what? Me? Talk to people? You mean strangers, not my friends? You've got to be kidding. And offer to pray with them? This introvert? Well, I was already committed to working the plan and following what he laid in my path, so I did it because they told me to. It's still hard for me, but because of that, it's also become the best part of the weekend. And then people started uh, seeking me out for a follow-up and to say thank you. In one way, it's actually getting harder. There are fewer and fewer strangers. And to everyone, especially as a newcomer, give this program a chance. Keep coming back, because it works if you work it. If you work it. Those are not passive words. Jump in and work it. Because someone like me, or several who've worked the process before I tell you to, they're right. And take the messages of experience, strength, and hope that you hear in these rooms as your own. We call it sharing because we're happily sharing what worked for us with you. And sometimes we share what didn't work. Learn from our mistakes too. We call what I'm doing here giving a testimony. Like others, mine is freely given. It's yours to use as you find helpful, as an inspiration, as a warning, or better yet, both. And above all, keep coming back until your miracle happens. And may you be blessed as I am to find out that there are many miracles and spiritual experiences along the way. 
And the first one is that you showed up here for the first time. Keep your eyes and mind open. Don't miss them. I'm Steve, grateful believer in Jesus Christ and a recovering alcoholic. This is a small taste of my story. Thank you for letting me share it this evening. Steve, thanks for jumping in and working it. And you literally did that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing your story. Hope, I hope you guys were blessed by his story tonight. If, if something in his story jumped out to you, don't be afraid to go, go tell him hi and thank you. And so whether that's right after this or right after um, your open share groups during the fellowship time, make sure you say thank you to, him, to Steve tonight. Uh, for those of you online and for those of us going to open share groups, here we go. Our focus question is, how have you turned your will over to God? If so, what results have you seen? Okay. And so that is the focus question. Before we read the serenity prayer in just a second, first time guests, you are welcome to our first time guest group with Sean and Michelle right through those doors. Second timers, you don't know where to go. Come on right up here and and uh, Matt and Nicole would love to say hi. Uh, would you join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking it as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Head the group. <laughs> 